It's one of the greatest lines of all time. It's, you know, it happened when a toad is struck by lightning, and then he's like, what? The same thing that happens to everything else. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a really yeah. good line. Yeah, That's uh, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> he just repeats things that literally fall on deaf ears. Uh, <laughs> when this trailer was released, he tweeted it and said, for two minutes and 40 seconds, everybody at the NSA stopped doing their jobs. Oh, fuck yeah. off. I don't think he's above giving acting lessons to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You got Nicholas Cage as you, as you brought up, uh, Zachary never Quinto. Never cast. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode, the guys talk about the new Netflix-exclusive horror film, Hush, which was directed by Mike Flanagan. He was always talking about Al-Qaeda, Russia, South Korea. You mean North Korea? The, is that the crazy one? If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, and this is episode 61. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about the new horror film, Hush, starring John Gallagher Jr. and Kate Siegel. On today's episode, we have the usual guys here, including Toussaint Egan. Shh, be very, very quiet. That was that was the build-up? Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Also, Nick Cheney here. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> that was, oh boy, that was, that was a disappointment, I have to say. You're the one who built it up. You no, know, you, you were. You had a face and you had a hand motion. I was just, I was just waiting in the wings. And then I just that. Uh, I wish I would have turned off my hearing aids. <laughs> oh my god, it was that bad. <laughs> so we are going to talk about Hush, uh, the new Netflix exclusive, in a little bit. Uh, first, we're going to mention some trailers that have come out in the last week or so. Is uh, we're getting to that time where films are going to be coming out for the most part a major release every week, as we uh, mentioned on last week's episode. Uh, And there's a couple that are pretty easy to look forward to. Um, Notably, uh, the first one we'll talk about is the new X-Men trailer, Mm -hmm. which uh, seems to be a little bit better than the first Apocalypse trailer that came out, at least in my opinion. What do you guys think about the the new Apocalypse trailer? Yeah. I thought it had a lot more character. I thought it was a lot more funny. Um, There were... It had a really good like cliffhanger at the end where it like mentioned like this new characters like they just basically blasted all of these like different villains and it's just like what you guys have been busy and it's just like we had a little help and it's like it's just it was Wolverine it was fucking awesome we didn't get to see his face but we've already seen his face but it, it, it's amazing that the trailer could be cut in such a way that it could create the anticipation to finally see him in that film even though we've seen him yeah. in this continuity before I was gonna say I mean he was the main character in the last. X-Men with this crew. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's probably going to have a like minor role in this film that includes a, a, an arrival for 
helping out with some scene during the climax of the film. So I mean, he's one of the, I would say that he is uh, arguably one of the most powerful um, mutants in this continuity, simply for the fact that he's functionally immortal. Yeah, but um... which will be interesting to see him balanced out against Apocalypse, who can pretty much like take other people's powers, and it's going to be really, it's going to be really weird. And I, I guess this is maybe the one thing that I'm hoping he does have more than just like a, a three minute cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be awkward because he's not going to know what's going on, but all the other characters know who he is now. And like, they had this big battle with him in days of future past and he had his memory wiped from that. So, well, we don't actually, to be fair, we don't know exactly what he does know or doesn't know because Mm. the end of X-Men days of future past, we wake up with the present, but this is the eighties Logan. So we don't know exactly where he left off. Right. Right. Well, no, oh. he, I think reverted back to what he was before present day. Logan went back because he had to have, um, Patrick Stewart's version of professor X explain to him everything that had happened that he had missed. Yeah. Man, there was some so, crazy oh, shit that happened while you were gone. Yeah. Logan. So, oh right, yeah. Right, right. yeah so we'll see what we'll see what happens what comes with that or I if mean, it just gets blown past which mm-hmm. is entirely yeah. possible yeah. yeah that's okay now i remember that i know nick you had mentioned that you you already seen had seen some uh some people who were not pleased that wolverine's cameo was being um being shown in the trailer which i don't really like everyone who's going to be in it in some capacity so i don't really know don't what the spoil spoiler it. is don't about spoil it. it yeah i i mean you know my feelings on spoilers in <laughs> general which is that everybody's a big fucking baby that needs to grow up uh but this specifically is like why i get irate when people talk about spoilers is because petty shit like this gets mistaken for spoilers and the fact that somebody could have watched that and uh, it's like when when the Civil War trailer came out and people didn't want to watch it because they heard Spider Man was in it and they didn't want to see his introduction. It's like, okay, like I can, but don't call it a spoiler. I mean, that's like saying I don't want to see Captain America's introduction in the movie. Like you may not want that moment ruined for whatever reason. That's your own personal thing, but that's a moment you know is but going to happen. The, the so. entire purpose of of the trailer is to get people to go to the theater. Yeah, yeah. and I. I as I mentioned to you before we started the episode, Nick, um, I think showing Wolverine at the very end of the new Apocalypse trailer may tip uh, tip the hand that uh, the studio was a little concerned that their box office may not be as good as they were hoping for early on when they started putting this movie together. I mean, I think that people need to stop freaking the fuck out over Wolverine or Spider-Man being introduced into their respective trailers because this is not like Terminator Genesis trailer levels of incompetence. They're not literally foreshadowing a third act like revelation in a fucking trailer. Like this is not that bad. Like if I, if, if we had not seen either one of those trailers and if I had asked either one of you, like, do you think that Spider-Man is going to be in the next film? And they're just like, well, they're talking about it. So probably. Yeah. If I asked you if Wolverine was going to be in the new X-Men film, you probably think, well, fuck yeah, he's well, going to be in. Wolverine's always was going to appear because he has, I think he's the only character who's shown up in all of them, isn't he? Exactly. And yeah. he also has to, uh, he has another movie that's going to be his own solo movie. Mm-hmm. And if history has taught us anything, a lot of times his solo movies, well, not a lot of times, he's only had two so far, but are usually reactions to whatever major events played out, and I think that'll 
be the case here as well. Possibly, so, yeah. I, you know, like, I, I think his role in this movie will be more than his first-class cameo where he just gets to say the lone F-bomb and walk out because yeah. um, I can't imagine that they're not going to try to set up whatever the Wolverine 3 is. Uh... I mean, it's going to be the next Wolverine film is going to be what he says is going to be his last Wolverine film. So I think that they're trying to like at least squeeze as much out of that character as much as possible. Cause he's so iconic in that role. Could be there. Th- this uh, upcoming film that's coming on Memorial day weekend l- looks like it's falling a little bit into the trap for me of, uh, of trying to force in as many characters as possible. So I hope that's not the case because in just watching the trailer, it appeared that, oh, look, Cyclops is here and Beast is here and the whole gang's back together. And we have these other new characters that you've never seen before. And this character just showed up in X2 and here's the younger version of him. And it's like, I get that they're trying to have all these characters that people really like except for Gambit. But do we really need to have a story with 20 characters in it? Because here, I don't, I don't Here's what that. I'll say. And maybe I'm just biased or I'm spinning it to because I like this franchise yeah. the most. But it, 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 the reason why when I watch a trailer like X-Men Apocalypse and I see the overabundance of uh, these characters, whatever, and it doesn't like make me upset in the same way that I, like, you know, when I read the original Civil War cast sheet and it was, like, 40, whatever, is because the X-Men movies have always, to me, felt like a communal movie, even if Wolverine was always at the center for the most part. Like, I was supposed to always, like, at least for me, like, the Xavier School for the Mutants, like, I was always expecting to see one walk through the halls or whatever. So the fact that they're all in it doesn't, you know, like worry me at all now if you go see the movie and it's clear that they're trying to somehow like give everybody an arc or whatever which i genuinely think that these marvel movies uh are going to start to suffer from uh uh then that's a different story but I, i've always felt like and that's why i thought that the choke was stupid in deadpool when ryan reynolds shows up and he's like oh so they only paid for two actors here because that is true and it's like i don't know i guess it it it, it just fell apart because then it didn't feel like I was watching an X-Men movie. It just felt mm. like I was watching a pastiche of one. And yeah. I don't know. It just That was always the charm for me of watching the X-Men movies was going from this classroom to another classroom and seeing all these random, even like the no-name mutants. So the fact that it has a large cat, it, I feel like that's par for the course. What, you don't like Toad? The kid who's literally a fucking Toad? Wasn't he a villain in the first X-Men yeah. movie? I mean... Do you know what happens when a Toad is struck by lightning? You're about to. No. (laughs) Is that what you think the line was? That's what I remembered the line being. No, it's, oh my God. It's one of the greatest lines of all time. It's, I'm going to repeat it because I have to say the whole thing for dramatic effect, but Halle Berry has Toad up there and she's like, you know what happened when a Toad is struck by lightning? And then he's like, what? The same thing that happens to everything else. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was a really good line. Yeah. Uh, That's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) That's. I thought the first one was a good movie, so yeah. No, it's a good movie. It's yeah. just, that's a horrible line. Yeah. Well, there was there was some less than in. As I recall, the first X Men was in a really bad time for CGI. So yeah, when yeah. Uh, when Mystique went into her whole like blue scale mode, I'm just like, this is kind of weird. I haven't seen this before. I was more referring to the uh, the guy who's the who, who gets kidnapped by um, 
who gets kidnapped by Magneto and is turned into a mutant, and then he like becomes like slime or something like that. Yeah, and that yeah when he's on the good. beach. Yeah. yeah. When he's scarring children yeah. left and right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Apocalypse, yeah. though, um, I, was, I, I was definitely more... Uh, I'm more on board now for, for that film. Uh, Oscar Isaac's character doesn't look as... Power Rangers, awful, bad. Nope, they got their own awful, bad Power Rangers thing going on. Well, but I just feel like it, it looks like it's going to be better than I feared, and that and that that's obviously a good thing. Better than I feared. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, we were fearing that it was going to be so good. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it's it's going to yeah, be better than I I feared. It wasn't going to be very good at all, and yeah. I really like the last two. X Men films, so I'm I'm hoping this will be right up there with them. I just I just like the thought of the idea of like your anticipation being so high that you became afraid of this film that was going to like rock all of cinema. I don't know. We'll see. I'm looking forward to it now, though. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Another film that I know at least one of us is very much looking forward to is the uh, the animated film uh, The Killing Joke, which uh, people have been waiting for for many years, and it's been rushed uh, in here. A little bit, I think. Yeah. And uh, the the first full trailer came out for it, and uh, people weren't too impressed by it, especially Toussaint. Uh, so let's hear your thoughts on, on this one, which I know you're very much looking forward to. I mean, I'm a big fan of DC's animated output. I think it's a lot better than their live-action output, to say the least. Um, they've turned out some really great uh, adaptations of awesome iconic uh, comic book art, such as like the, the Flashpoint Paradox or Under the Red Hood. But... This is I don't know what this is like I my my friend Adam who is usually very very quiet and not very like opinionated about these sorts of things just like went on a, a a rant about it saying that the animation which he was right the animation in the actual trailer looks slowed down for effect and it looks so like it, it looks like stop motion it, it's it's that bad it's, it looks like there's at least like three frames a second and it's just like boop 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 he said it looked like a new grounds flash animation from 13 years ago and that is the most damning description of that trailer that i can i can say i mean it's just i i think it's more of a i think it's more indicative of not so much dc's level of commitment to that actual property and more of indicative of like the the studio mindset of animation as it exists now, because obviously like the level of attention to detail um, from animated features from like even a decade ago uh, doesn't always match it is, is, is more, is more detailed and more like meticulous than what we're looking at now because they're trying to like push it out. I was going to say, I don't think we're going to get anything in this film that's even remotely close to the opening sequence from mask of the phantasm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I, I'm a little disheartened because one of the the reasons why this this film was even made, like the the Killing Joke, was because Mark Hamill, like when he was at a convention a couple of years ago, um, he was asked to actually read the famous speech from like the Joker in the Killing Joke, and that was an awesome rendition. Like somebody even made like a fan animation from computer animation, like to to match with that, and they matched it with like the score from Tim Burton's uh, Batman. It was just really moving and really kind of like interesting like see him get, deliver that performance and the snippet from what i heard from this 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 trailer does not match that at all like it's just it's way too strained it's way it's way too like it feels contrived it feels like he's really trying too hard with that delivery and i i need to listen to the whole speech in order to hear it but like i i'm not impressed from well, what i've seen right now 
just with Mark Hamill, it's so weird because that guy, like his career, other than doing the the, mm. the Batman thing and, and other, some other voice work, which he's done quite well over the years, prolific voice work, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that guy's career was for the most part in the, in the mainstream, going nowhere for decades. Yeah, car now, crash, man. Well. All of a sudden, then, Star Wars is back, and he's been thrust into being a major player, appears in episode eight. Star Wars? <laughs> this fucking guy. This guy. And yeah. then he says he's not going to do any more Joker for Batman, unless the killing joke shows up. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, we're making this, and it's mm-hmm. going to be coming out next year, so get your ass in the studio. and it, I, Get your ass to Mars. It's, I, I it's, doubt he had to go to a studio. I'm pretty sure he could have did it over Skype. <laughs> It's yeah. not. It's not that I don't think he it sounds like it doesn't. He it? didn't give Damn. the full effort, but I'm just a little concerned that the buildup for this is too great for people who are hardcore fans of it, of the comic and of the the, the voice work that people have done for years. Whether it be him or why am I blanking on the guy who does Batman, Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy, who people really wanted to come back yeah. and do Batman's voice, and he is going to come back and do it. And it just seems like it's just going to be too big of a bubble to not burst and be a disappointment. I think that another thing that my my friend Adam touched on was how he was frustrated because he watched an actual like development diary about this film, like before the trailer came out, about how they were looking to the actual like color palette and the composition of like Alan Moore and uh, Alan Moore's original like graphic novel as inspiration. Like they wanted to live from that, and I don't see that apparent at all in this. In, in this trailer, like the the original like colored version of it is just so much more vibrant and so at, at once vibrant and has darker like chiaroscuro silhouettes and like it's just so menacing and so 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 psychotic in a way and I don't see that coming through in this trailer at all. Yeah, it's a minute trailer though too, and it's an animated trailer, which I feel like. For me, whenever I've seen trailers mm-hmm. for anime, and I'm not talking about like Disney or Pixar or anything, but I've seen animated film trailers, I can never get on board with anything. And then I've seen a lot of movies, and I've really liked them. So yeah. I guess I'm willing to give this one the benefit of the doubt, but it's a little concerning, I think. Yeah. The last trailer to mention is the uh, finally we got the full length trailer for the the Snowden movie, which is going to be coming out with Joseph Gordon Levitt who, if he was trying to do the impression of Edward Snowden's voice, he at least did a somewhat good job. He tried to be Bruce Willis, and now he's going to be Edward Snowden. But he he at least hit the mark when you you talk about trying to do an impression of him. I don't know if he's going to play the character very well. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, Oliver Stone's films, for the most part, are not my cup of tea, and I feel like this is going to be right up there with it. Because I'm assuming a lot of fast cuts, a lot of awkwardness happening throughout the film which is uh, um, kind of a staple in Oliver Stone films. And for the most part, he tries to take a story and fuck it up <laughs> in, in his he own try, way. He tries to take a story and fuck it up. He no, doesn't want to make a good film. It, it's not even that he doesn't, because he's got very uh, a very high amount of talent as a director. He just cannot get out of his own way. Like He has like Zack Snyder syndrome at, at certain points, and... It's not that this doesn't look like it can be a good movie, but it just seems like too many by-the-book nonsense um, Oliver Stone hammer-over-the-head shit things that I just feel like you're going to take a really intriguing story and 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 just mainstream and then slap your fucking normal shit on it and it's just not going to be as good as it could be. It's, it's going to be a by-the-numbers like tech thriller 
That's really what it's what it's going to be, and it's going to try Black to like, Hat Two. Yeah, it's going to be Black Hat <laughs> Two. That's a like, good movie. <laughs> yeah, um, but of all the the people that showed up in the trailer, like there's Nicolas Cage and there's Zachary Quinto, who kind of like freaked me out. Like the one that really like boggles my mind of like how they actually got cast in this is like Shailene Woodley, who played like the really. Yeah, that's his girlfriend. Like, yeah, but she's like trying to get her career back together after the Divergent disaster, and <laughs> I'm I just like, it's so weird seeing her like pair like alongside. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, it she's is been in a lot of stuff. Like, I know she's been a, yeah. in a lot of Alexander stuff. Alexander Payne movie. I, yeah. If you had told me that the girl from like The Fault in Our Stars and from Divergent would be in the Edward Snowden film, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself because you're obviously, like, lying to me. Really? Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I, I would I, not I, have expected out that. Of, out of all the people who were cast in this film, that's the last person I would say I was surprised about. Really? Why you got to put women in one box? I don't... <laughs> trying to put a woman I mean, you got, you, got, you, got, you got Reese Ephens playing the main villain in this film. Did you access an... Wait, un- that's Reese Fon? Yeah, sorry. Oh. Yeah. I like um, yeah, he's he's good. He does. He looks like he was terribly miscast in this film, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. You got Nicholas Cage as you as you brought up. Uh, Zachary Quinto. Miscast. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> all, all kinds of very and, and Shailene Woodley's the one that threw you off. Yeah, that was that was weird. Huh? That was weird for me. I mean, I I would be really weird when Jackie Gleason shows up in this movie. <laughs> right in the kisser. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just uh, say that this trailer did absolutely nothing for me. In fact, I had to stifle a few laughs because I can't take Joseph Gordon-Levitt's accent seriously Mm -hmm. because that is a prime example of what I don't like about biopics, which is trying to recreate instead of iterate like it just doing the opposite of what michael fassbender did yes. and steve jobs who as i was watching that movie i kept thinking he was steve jobs not because he had the best likeness but at a certain point it just the two his acting transcended what you know the sound of his voice yeah it, it became his affectations and his tics. I and mean, there were moments when all of a sudden there'd be like a back shot and all of a sudden i'd be like oh my god is that steve no it's just an illusion you know mm-hmm. here that accent is never going to make me think that he is edward snowden and it's going to be a huge stumbling block, but in general, uh, the trailer just bored me to tears. I, I don't think I've seen an Oliver Stone movie that I like, <laughs> except maybe The Doors, because I think his sensibilities were actually a good match for A, Jim Morrison's crazy, stupid lifestyle, and B, for uh, a musical instead of for like like a thriller, like just the whole like going from party to party with a much better sensibility for, I think, Oliver Stone's direction. I'm, yeah, I, I've actually never seen Platoon or Born on the Fourth of July. So yeah, I've never I seen those either. So. And, and those are supposed to be his best films, so yeah. I, I don't really... But a lot of his... Recent work, uh, the, the, the but Wall he's Street. known for like the I would say for like the the biopic genre, so to speak. Yeah. All the presidents uh, movies he's done, which he's done what two or three of those. Well, like W, W, uh, he's done, JFK. But that, w was like a complete. Yeah, Nixon. Uh, he also did as he well. Did Nixon. Okay. Yeah, but he, like his recent films, like World Trade Center, the Wall Street sequel, Savages. Like oh boy, <laughs> John Travolta. <laughs> Huh? John Travolta, he was in Savages. Was he? Yeah. I don't remember him. I, I saw that movie, because that was the one with Taylor Kitsch and yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? I thought John Travolta was in Savages. I think you're right. I think he was, which, that doesn't really say anything, because he's pretty much in everything now. But uh, other people who are going to show up in the uh, the film Snowden also, as well, are Tom Wilkinson, 
Melissa Leo, and uh, Timothy Oliphant uh, from Justified. So he's I, fantastic. I think that not maybe not in this movie. But no, not in the movie. <laughs> just in general. Yeah, <laughs> I think that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a competent enough like actor. I, I mean, I enjoy him and what I've I've seen him in. Um, and I and I think that he is at least going to try to. We'll see what he does with Snowden because I, I I actually heard reports that he tried to find a way to actually communicate and like be in the same room as Snowden, which is a a supreme feat in and of itself in order to like get to know him and like do stuff. Uh, John Oliver did it. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, I mean, it seems like Snowden is not necessarily like he's certainly a recluse because he's known as one. He has to be, but like. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to get I to I mean, him. you're probably not going to get a meeting with him in the U.S. No, but If but, you go to him, right. you probably could figure it he out. He seems like someone who is like, oh, you want to stroke my ego? Yes, come right in. <laughs> because when this trailer was released, he tweeted it and said, for two minutes and 40 seconds, everybody at the NSA stopped doing their jobs. Oh, fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Wow. So, I don't think he's above giving acting lessons to uh, to, <laughs> to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. Another thing, too, about, about I just Oliver Stone's stink on these also, movies. Also, hello, Edward. Not... <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just... It just he just doesn't give the full effort anymore. It just seems, and it just by the book, like we were mentioning, like some of the some of the Steven Spielberg films that have come up lately, not necessarily his more recent ones, but by the book, the usual suspects for what you assume that director is going to do, and this doesn't look much different. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So moving on to what we're talking about on this episode of Film Tank, uh, that is the horror film Hush, Hush. which uh, is exclusively on Netflix and was uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, who uh, previously did the horror film Oculus, which came out a couple years ago, which some people really enjoyed. And we were not paid to talk about this film by Netflix. We just wanted to watch it. Was that like a thing going around or? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like what? Them paying people who do podcasts that get very low listeners. We didn't. We, we weren't paid to like just mention. It. It's like, oh yeah, it's exclusive on Netflix, and you should go watch uh, it. Yeah. Well, we say when a movie's in theaters or when a movie. <laughs> yeah, like you can find this on Netflix. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, this film is about a reclusive author who uh, went deaf as a teenager and finds herself hunted by a deranged masked killer inside her isolated home. Stars John Gallagher Jr., who recently appeared in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, also, Kate Siegel, who I believe is... is Either she wrote the film with She's Mike co- Flanagan. Co-writer. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I, she was somehow involved with the creation of this film as well. Yeah. And that's pretty much the entire cast, as uh, no one else really shows up, especially the guy who uh, the main character, Maddie, is messaging, and then that's never brought up again for some reason. No, there's uh, Samantha Sloan, well, who's I, like the main neighbor. I know there are other people, but I'm yeah. saying that there's there's only like four people who appear okay, in the entire yeah. movie. But. Yeah. So, um, horror film, this is really in Toussaint's wheelhouse. Mm. Uh, so why don't you start us off and give us your opening feelings on the movie Hush? I mean, what really struck... Like struck me the first time I watched this film because I've watched it like twice now. It was like I really, I I, I wanted to get the most out of this film that that it could give me. It's like because it is like a pretty short film. It's like an hour, like an hour and a half. Didn't feel like it. Oh, uh, what I thought was kind of impressive uh, that they did with this film is like because it's supposed to be Kate Siegel playing as a, a deaf woman. That when the 
in, in, in just a little touch, when the actual opening logos come up and there's actually like, no sound at all, like no type of like lead into the actual like like audible cue into the actual movie, I was wondering if my if something was wrong with my PS3 that I was watching it on or my television, and then it just like smash cuts like boom with like hush like on the uh, the actual screen. I was like, oh, they're playing with the sound. It's like I like that. It's like yeah, yeah. I thought the sound effects in this film were really good, and I thought that um, the setting was was really cool. So, yeah. That's all you got? Uh, that's all I've got for right now. I want to... Okay. I'll go. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Nicholas. Because uh, I, I was the one who suggested we do this, even mm. though I had no real reason to other than just that it was... It's on Netflix. It was right. there. It was a new movie we could all get to at, at, a, at a crunch. Um, I thought this was a disappointment. Mm. I thought it was a waste of a really good premise and mm. setup. I thought the first 20, 25 minutes maybe uh, were fantastic. And then it became completely disinterested in actually utilizing the premise that it, it set forth. I thought I I liked I'll say this much I liked the performance that uh, Kate was Siegel Siegel and John Gallagher Jr. even are giving in this movie. Right. Uh, but I feel like the script does neither of them any favors because uh, I, I was floored by the idea that this is being sold as a a horror thriller in which a deaf woman is stalked and uh you know uh fucked with basically and halfway through the movie you could forget that she's deaf because this movie does not want to push that at all uh after the first 30 minutes i mean like it, it's kind of comical that in the first 20 minutes when there's no horror elements we go through all the deaf cliches and uh we sign language the uh fire alarm you know like all those things which are things that i even have experience with uh being hearing impaired like because mm-hmm. i had a phase where i had to like I, I i got a different alarm clock and like which would like vibrate the bed like little things like that where when i first became hearing impaired I, i'm not deaf but i started to experiment with like all the things that are available and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that it went through the like all the deaf like signage, so to speak. And then just throws that out the window the minute John Gallagher Jr. shows not shows up, but the the minute I knew the film lost me and unfortunately was just not going to give me anything that I would going to consider entertaining or uh just like new was the minute that the neighbor shows up uh yeah. bloodied and whatnot and the movie decided to introduce that odd uh using an audio cue instead of a visual like the fact that the camera is outside the house and we are introduced her by her banging on the window something that the protagonist clearly can't hear mm-hmm. like the fact that this movie i, I it almost makes me angry because it's such a good premise, and it's and we could have gotten so many creepy uses of of, of no sound. And you say the sound effects to sound in this movie are great. That's a problem mm. <laughs> for me in this movie okay. is that you, you can notice that it's decent and that it's good. Yeah. But the fact that like the 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 killer or even the neighbor is never just introduced like by walking into the frame, you know, with no sound, and and the fact that the movie only enters her. Uh, audio headspace which you know we can't hear anything um at the most bizarre and inconsequential times uh i mean writer brain 
Well, there's that, but I'm just talking like when the movie just like turns the volume down yeah. to like remember she's deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've talked about the movie Wait Until Dark on this podcast, which is about uh, three crazy people uh, messing with Audrey Hepburn, who plays a blind woman. Now, there, that movie, except for at the very end, never gets you into her headspace, but you never forget she's blind. And I get that that's kind of different because that's a very physical thing, you know? But that movie sets up, like, in what ways would you be able to fuck with a blind person and and deconstructs those tropes and does it over and over. And this movie, like, uh, I I genuinely couldn't remember, not couldn't remember, but I, I, I could see John Gallagher Jr.'s character, like, like, did he even realize she was uh, deaf, like, after the first hour? Because it just became yeah, he the... Did. Well, he I, I mean, literally, the yes, yeah. obviously. But I'm saying the the script was so weak that it just became the most standard cat and mouse game. Well, and that was just not apparent uh, I was gonna after me- a fact. I was going to mention, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and um, I, I think the, the the biggest problem is that when you're dealing with something where a major part of your story is that, and the major pole of your story is that this separates this film from other horror films because the main character is deaf. But the main character doesn't become deaf and then stop becoming deaf just because the film wants her to. Like, her being deaf only becomes important when it has to when the story support needs the it. plot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I agree that it's yeah. unfortunate. And I actually... Uh, and I, I get that this would not have it would made have made it a lot less mainstream than it even was, but I would have very much uh, wanted this to be a silent film, and I think it would have been much more interesting if it had been a silent film, and if we had to follow this film really in her footsteps and kind of see how that would have gone throughout it. Because another problem that I had with this film, if I can go into really quickly how I Please. felt about it, is that I, as a person who doesn't really like horror films, for the most part enjoyed a good number of things in this movie, but I just could not stay interested in the stupidity a of both the main characters in this film, because I know that's a, a staple of the horror genre is that the characters are for the most part going to be dumb at certain points, especially when it's needed in the film. But we have this, this guy who's supposed to be this, this thrill seeking murderer who, who goes around and, and it, part of the thing is that he needs the person to let him in or whatever. He's like a vampire. <laughs> okay. Um, but he, he like puts his weapon on top of the roof when he's climbing and she, like as she's standing there or he like has his hand inside the door when she's able to close it. And it's just, it was almost like Harry and Marv stupidity from Home Alone where I was like, God, this is... Frick, 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 frick. Yeah. Like, there's there's a, a fire lit and then there's, there's gasoline and they're like, oh, why does it smell like kerosene? I don't understand. Like, what? what? Uh, it, it, that was a little a little concerning for me. And I felt like the horror part of this movie and, and the scary part of it went out the window after we see him remove his mask and not necessarily because he removed his mask, but because the film never went for anything that was supposed to be scary. Like it was just pretty much a straight up thriller from that moment on. And it got a little dull, especially in the second act, which I thought was very a boring and brought 
absolutely nothing new to the table. Yeah, mm. I'll say that like the first twenty minutes or so, there, especially after the neighbors left and all everything, there were moments of silence and moments of creepiness where I was like actually holding my breath and wanting to pause the movie mm-hmm. because it hadn't started yet. And I'm with you in the sense that once John, once John Gallagher Jr.'s character removes his mask, I, I feel like it's kind of a coincidence and yet kind of not. But that is the moment that the movie is no longer interested in using that creeping tension and is way more of just wanting to go through the motions. And Which was unfortunate because I really dug what it was doing early on. And I, I actually had a very similar reaction to you, not where I wanted to stop watching it, but I was watching this film with my wife and she was you know, covering her mouth at certain points because you you are living through the main character at this point. You are yeah. you are experiencing what she is for the most part. Uh, and at some points, you're you're an audience member, and you know that there is somebody outside, and she doesn't. But then when she does know, you still are you know where is he? Is he like? Are is it going to be one of those films where you can go back and watch and see him at certain places? And I don't think this is one of those films, unfortunately. You know what was a good film that could have <laughs> that could have done what that this <laughs> film could have emulated from. The Strangers from 2008. I think that that yeah. actually had like a lot of really good ones where it's like the guy in the mask. Like the, 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 the poster for that film is just this woman like in her living room just like watching TV or just like doing something. And you see like this, this one thing that's almost indistinct from everything else where it's just like this man with a burlap sack and a smiley face on his, on his, on his head just blending in with the rest of the the background. The, the major difference between that film and and this one and I'm not and I, I know they are quite different films. Yeah. But that film was solely um focused on the main the two main characters and and the the struggles they were having. Yeah. And the people who were stalking them, it was never about them as people. They were just Trangers. phantom characters. What? They were just strangers. Well, yeah. yes, but they were they were just they were just phantom beings, like almost like boogeymen or ghosts or whatever. Yeah. Where John Gallagher Jr. has an entire, almost like an arc throughout the, the the film, which is weird to say because he's such a a minor character with with no real story. But they they try to build him up through this, starting at this just being a random killer, and then we don't even really get any sort of motivation at all. But, but we 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 get to find out more about him as as a a character and as a, as a killer throughout the film, which, which is, I guess, good and, and kind of bad. I think it's sort of intentional that well, he yeah. doesn't have a motivation because it's supposed to be all that much scary. It's like, it's like he doesn't have a reason. It's, it's just like in the movie strangers where like in the, in the finale where the, 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 the couple are tied up and they're just like asking them why are they doing this? And Dollface just says like, it's because you were home. This is your Chinatown. It's because it's, I, that's, the strangers is not my Chinatown, uh-huh, sure. but, but um, it, it's the same way with uh, the strangers with Joel Gallagher's uh, character, where he like takes off his mask because she says like I can't see your face, like there's no reason for you to kill me, and it's like but I want to have a reason to kill you. It's just like I want to play with you. Yeah, I didn't mind John Gallagher Jr.'s stupidity in the movie, or yeah. even I don't think that. Uh, the, the main character either was that stupid. I mean, not compared to him. Not, no. not, I, I, um, I guess I don't want to say stupid. I just the usual genre well, clumsy yeah, mistakes just, like, that we've into there we've all seen multiple times before. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I actually didn't mind his stupidity, and I like liked the idea that he didn't have a backstory or motivation mm-hmm. because that certainly would add to the feeling if I was being scared by the movie. Um, I do have one little nitpick that doesn't affect my rating, but I do have to point it out because mm. 
it's a very stupid line, which is when <laughs> the um, when the the husband of the neighbor is uh, talking to John Gallagher Jr.'s character, you mm-hmm. know, outside the house, and he hasn't quite figured it. Or no, he's figured it out that he's, but he hasn't. They haven't started fighting or anything like that. He drops the earring or something, right? But yeah. um, when he says um, he he starts quizzing him, now that he's going to try to gain the upper hand, and he says something like. Um, and John Gallagher Jr. character says something like, yeah, that, you know, dispatch called it in, whatever. And then he, the the neighbor says, well, she's deaf, so she wouldn't have been able to make that call. It's like, so, oh, it must have been one of the neighbors. And I was just like, no, no, no. But the point is, she, deaf people can call people. It's, it's called TTYL, and it's a very common thing. And it's just very <laughs> sad to see such a limp understanding. Like, a, a cursory Google search would be able to tell you that. Can deaf people can call, type, like, call 911? Yeah. I mean, you know, it. it yeah, also, yeah. Um, we. We we also see her calling nine one one multiple right. times. Like in the she film, does so. it in the movie, so yeah. really he's so. just an idiot. <laughs> and maybe that's what they were going for. But yeah. just the fact that he was like that was his aha moment, like, well actually she's deaf, which means she can't use the fucking phone. I got you, creep. Like uh yeah, that that moment just really fell flat. But yeah. What do, what, what do we think about the, the, the kind of ending scene of this film where I don't want to say that she had accepted her fate in any way, shape, or form, but she had almost thought that death could be a possibility, which maybe is why she's able to kind of stand with uh, John Gallagher Jr.'s character. I actually quite enjoyed the the final scene, especially the image of like the blood spattering on her and him falling yeah. on there. Are we talking about and, the scene in the bathroom? No, no talking I'm talking about, about post that scene where oh, they are in the, with in, the cork. They are in, with with oh, the right, cork right, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, where right. they are in kind of that kitchen area, um, and I, I like a I liked when she sprays him with the the wasp uh, spray. <laughs> yeah. that, that was great, and it it was a little bit of a, a good yeah, payoff because it, it was, falls out of the right. the cabinet earlier in the film, and at, at the same time the the image of her running after him. Uh, with the with the fire alarm and him kind of just grabbing his ears, almost becoming like disabled from it, which I guess kind of makes sense because it, it, he's all, he's bleeding to death and he's just he can't see and the crazy he's very loud stupid. sound. He just got shot in the shoulder with one of his own arrows and he that, just got that was great too. Yeah. I, I'll get to that. Should have aimed for the jugular. Well, yeah. Then the movie would have ended there, so <laughs> that wouldn't have worked. Wow. But the the small little enjoyment and in almost, almost like. It almost is like sexual with with the main character, with not the main character, with with John Gallagher Jr. when he when he's choking her and it like the like kind of like sick smile and enjoyment he's getting out of it was was really creepy and and I thought he did a great job. But then she she stabs him and then he falls and, and just the the blocking and then the visuals of that scene, the, the music that was going along with it. Even though it wasn't necessarily anything that original, I thought that part of the scene and that climactic moment was was actually really well done, which is one of the reasons why I gave this a high as high of a rating as I did, because I thought a lot of the mechanics throughout the middle part of the film were so bland and, and by the book. But even though this wasn't anything that was really way new, I really enjoyed that part of it. And also the the scene with the arrow when she was like having that inner turmoil struggle of mm. well I don't have any way that I can get him to like stop moving. And then the little bitch cat shows up and that, that was a nice little payoff too. Yeah. I, 
I, I want to ask you guys a, a question. It's like it's one of those those establishing scenes when uh, the main character like tries to like lock herself away in a room and like outside the actual killer is like playing with her by actually using the corpse of her neighbor in order to knock on the window in order to just like freak her the fuck out. Like, did you guys like that scene? Like, did you think it was corny? Uh, just like I like when I first watched it, like I I really enjoyed it just because it's like oh wow this guy's really fucked up like he just wants to like really just fuck with her it's like there's nobody coming for help um but like returning to it for the second time it was just like yeah i don't know about that yeah that i will say that that scene didn't really do anything (laughs) for me um i don't know that i was like against it per se but uh, i just thought the whole like knocking on the window i'm like at, at that point, does he know she's deaf yet, or is yes? He... Oh yeah, he knows. Yeah, so that's I... how he's re- introduced to this character because he like tries to like that's knock on right, the... yeah. right. So yeah, the fact that he just repeats things that are like that literally fall on deaf ears, uh, <laughs> oh! the audience and the character, uh, just like uh, like I can handle his stupidity as 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 manufactured as incompetence. I can't handle something like that where it just seems pointless. Also too, and and I, I get we want we're going for a strong female character that Don't you marry Sue her. Oh dear. We're going for a strong female character. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. That 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 is deaf. It, which is which is which is totally fine with me. Death and mute. Uh huh. Which I like that they said that. Sorry, really mm-hmm. quick. Only because that does explain why she never screams. And yeah, because that would be like an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Since, anyway, but um, and this is such a small gripe. I, I guess it's it's more of a physical thing, whatever. But when she throws the flashlight into the forest and it goes like two hundred yards, yeah, out there. that was a far. <laughs> far. When she does it, when she initially throws it, I'm like, okay. And then when they show the establishing shot of where it landed, I'm like, holy shit, Tim Tebow! Like this is Tim, that, that's who you're gonna go with, <laughs> Tim yeah, I Tebow? Know. I don't know. I was gonna say I would go more that with like John John Elway or something like that. Player I could oh, that's of. too bad. Tim Tebow sucks at throwing lawn balls, but that's okay. That's okay. But it, this it, is a it, movie it, podcast. It, 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 that, Football. That, but, Until Oliver sports. Stone makes the Tim Tebow story, I won't I was know. Say, Oliver Stone's made a football film, too. <laughs> That's uh, right. What uh, is it? Uh, um, Any Given Sunday right, with, yeah. with Al Pacino yeah. throwing a chair at Cameron Diaz. Oh, man. But, but did that chair go as far as the flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that it goes that far. It's that it flies through this extremely yeah. wooded forest. Yeah. It still gets... I just thought that was so comically ridiculous. Oh, boy. Yeah. Whatever, though. The, the, there are moments in this film that work. Uh, I love when he, like, I like the original, not the original, but the initial, I don't even remember if he had his mask on or, or off at this point, but when he, when, when like, the games are just starting, and I love that he basically goes and just, destroys anything she could use whether and, yeah that's when his mask like, was off yes and yeah. so so even that scene i'll admit i give it credit for like when he goes from the power to slashing the tires like just you you're as a viewer just like the just like the character is going to start to think okay what can i and i just love that he just does it one after the other because he's got the outside and she's got the inside um having said that one other criticism i'll make and what led to this movie not being very scary past the first 20 25 minutes mm. is that in my opinion, we're giving too much information about both parties at every given moment because instead of ever just 
like following her for a long period of time or following him like it doesn't matter which one you do we're always knowing exactly where they are geographically and spatially on the location and so therefore it's just never exciting because we know where he is and we know where she is so when she goes around the corner it's just it it, it it's akin to like when you watch two people in a comedy movie like where one is chasing the other and the one just goes on the other side of the table and then he goes and they'll run to the other side of the table and then he'll just go to the other side mm-hmm. like it's just akin to watching something like that it's not as i'm I'm gonna compare this to scream at least in like the first scene because you don't know where the killer actually is and like you know watching it for a second time you know that there are more players in that scene than what we are initially led to believe but even then like with the choreography of, of those two killers like we still don't know how they function along with one another and what the actual like communication between that is like and and going off of the point of like giving too much information about these characters. Did you think that um, the main characters, like expository details being conveyed from like a, a bio on the back of her book was sort of like ham fisted? I, I didn't even read that. So I didn't really, I, 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 I paused it and like, like yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I will say too, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure. I, I didn't look up if, if he's like a huge fan or, or whatever, but I thought the, the excessive framing of the Stephen King book was a little unnecessary. Because <laughs> yeah, she's a writer. Well, I, and it's horror. And, I know, but yeah. I was just... No, yeah. I, I thought that was ridiculous, too. <laughs> Stephen King actually really liked this film. Like, oh, he tweeted, right, because his book was yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's a little... Oh, man, yeah, that movie, that was great, because they you know paused it uh, for five to seven seconds, so you could clearly see that that was my book there. They so. probably had to pay for it, too, that book. <laughs> They went to Borders, which is no longer in business, but yeah. Um, what yeah. did you guys think about the, the kind of finale about the film? I already said that I kind of liked it, even though it wasn't anything that was that original, I thought. But in terms of the actual visuals of it and just how it progressed through the, the final scene, what did you what did you think about the finale of this film? I thought that the actual finale that we talked about with like the actual cork and her yeah. and him choking her is like I thought that was really engrossing because like when started like flashing like images of her past I was just like they better not fucking kill her like they have to like the cork is right fucking there and I was just like okay thank you it was like um, I, I have to say really quickly sorry to cut you off because I know I asked for your reactions yeah. I would have very much been on board for her imagining scene when she runs out and he just comes up and smashes the shit out of her head oh, I would have been man. totally down with that being because that would have been such a departure from what the movie it, was trying to do yeah it would actually have been like the one bright spot where it didn't play the formula <laughs> um, yeah the more, more we're talking about this film the more I was like I'm just unraveling like this really didn't work did it I was like oh, I, I, I mean I Even thought it's our opinion, we don't have to. I, I know, but like, I'm, I'm just like thinking about it more and more. It's like there's one part that I thought was actually pretty fucking uh, ridiculous when she's climbing up on top of the actual roof of the house and she gets shot in the thigh with uh, the arrow, and he just like climbs up and like tries to like throw it up, like you said, like he throws up the actual yeah. like crossbow. She knocks him down, and then he tries to climb back up again. And it's like, what do you? The the, the crossbow yeah. is fucking loaded, yeah. like but, stupid stupid he's a fucking idiot yeah but that's that that's why for me unfortunately this doesn't do anything other than the usual horror genre like stupid stupid villain which which i guess isn't necessarily a horror genre thing it's just a a a villain thing in 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 film but Mm -hmm. like by the book like dumb things that you would expect a a villain to do like 
And this guy's been doing this for a while. Like, the, the actual movies, notches on the side of the, the crossbow shows that he killed, like, eight people before this. Yeah, so, like, the movie's not a comedy, because that's a big difference, too. Like, mm. And I don't mean, like, like scream kind of a comedy, but, like, a movie like Your Next is a kind of a black-hearted horror movie. Yeah. And that's a home invasion in which some of the, sometimes the villains do very stupid Home Alone-like. But you can tell that it has a sick you know twisted heart so it works on that we're here it doesn't work because it is trying to maintain a sense of terrified and, and or tension. A, um a film like scream like scream where the uh the um what's his ghost face keeps falling over which is absolutely hilarious he keeps on wrecking his shit all the time and uh it. what's her name goes riding up the garage door and that's how she gets killed <laughs> which is just absolutely but again this this film uh, we're talking about hush is never trying to really go for comedy at any yeah. turn, and it, it just doesn't really work in that capacity. I, to some, I'll say this about about this movie, especially for coming from me, who doesn't really like that many horror movies, mm-hmm. yeah. that I enjoyed a lot parts of this film. Like this is the kind of horror film that usually I would be on board with. I do like the movie The Strangers, and I, and I for the most part, I would say I, I guess I would say I, I liked this film. Uh, I gave it a, a decent rating, mm-hmm. but it just I, I, I liked what this was going for but it could have been so much better like this could have actually yeah. been a really good movie and yeah it, and, I, and it just decided not to be yeah it's like it just like having this conversation really like brings into stark clarity like the the tearing of the seams at this at this film it's just like this really could have i i that would have actually been interesting is like talking about how i really enjoyed like the sound effects in this film it's like in your suggestion that this would have been better if it was just played as a silent film it's just like because we wouldn't have those those typical like horror film audio cues that are meant to like uh, telegraph like the, the the rise in tension, like how we're supposed to actually invest, how much are we supposed to actually invest in that scene, and to not have that guiding light because we are in the same position as the main character for being deaf, like have it completely just like no diegetic, no non diegetic sound whatsoever would have been. I, I don't know how that would have actually played with I mean, like actual the, audiences, the, but it would well, have been cool. The the actual film would have been made quite differently. Yeah. If, 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 but it, I don't even know if it would have been good, but at least it would have been something that was interesting and something that is a little more original than just this, which I, I don't feel like was very original at all. Yeah, and I think what we're talking about as far as whether it would work better as a silent movie, which I don't know, but I completely mm-hmm. agree with, in the sense that I, I, I don't think it should have relied on sound effects in the same way, but that's the thing. It just has a gross misunderstanding that the the practices of a normal horror movie will only dilute the abnormal horror premise at, at play here. Um, and that also goes with the cinematography because there were too many times when I thought the cinematography was just too picturesque because uh, for a movie that should have been focused on the, the, the sense of sight, uh, there were just way too many like establishing shot, whatever. I wanted them a little bit, a little bit more like of a narrow field of focus that could have mirrored what she actually could have. Like, even if you can, if, even if, even if they fucked it up and they, they used the sound or whatever, like the fact that we, we, the, there's such wide shots, uh, was also another, I thought just very silly, uh, use of this premise. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. 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 Anything else anybody wants to discuss before we go to uh, final ratings? There's not really much else to say. <laughs> I was going to say, there, there's not that much. This is not a very deep film, really, at all. It does not have a very involved narrative. Um, 
there's this weird kind of in, involvement with the uh, the main character's ex boyfriend. That well, I don't mind that because of the fact that it's a red herring and every yeah. a lot of other horror movies that A would have somehow made him involved with mm-hmm. what was happening or B would have had him become the white knight to save her and mm-hmm. I like that need, none of those things happen yeah. so and her life doesn't just cease to exist just because we're observing it so I, I didn't mind that detail oh, mm-hmm. okay I just thought it was a little bizarre that they focused on it and then there's it's not brought up at all but yeah whatever well we're we're introduced to three major outlets in her life her ex-boyfriend her sister and her neighbor who's a new friend so I, I guess I just thought it was more of a shell game like which okay. one of them are going to be actually involved with what's happening hmm. and turns out it was neither none of them so well the I mean, not. I mean, the neighbor I mean was yeah. As in far as like this narrative, and so I like the fact that the long distance people are long distance. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I I'll buy that explanation. Yeah. So what you saw buy it. that for a dollar. <laughs> You're bringing a robo. I, I want to watch RoboCop now. Let's I don't do know it. why. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's. Hey guys, we should review RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, we've never done that. Yeah, we've never done that. All right, Tucson, your rating for Hush. Okay. Um. I'm going to give this uh, a three out of five because I did really enjoy it. Um, even though like as my, as my co-host and I have like kind of like picked it apart, it's like, it doesn't really work on a lot of levels. Like I still really enjoyed it. And I think that you should probably like, go see it too. It's just like, I don't have a lot to say on it. Um, but I enjoyed it enough to watch it twice to actually like try to like see like if I could pick anything more out of it. And like, it turns out there's not a lot, but what is there is, it's competent enough for a Netflix film. Like you can, if you're just looking for a way on a, on a Friday night to just like spend an hour and a half, like there are worse ways to do it than to watch hush. So just go for it. Very good. All right, Nicholas. Yeah. uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I thought this was a disappointment. Um, It's something I, you know, was initially completely on board with. Uh, Even if I had some skepticism, I was willing to, uh, let that go for a little bit. Uh, and the first 20 minutes or so, there were moments when I, like I said earlier, that I was just like on the edge of my seat, literally because of the absence of things like sound and and uh, movement in the frame and whatnot. And then uh, once we get past that point, the movie pretty much lost me, and unfortunately it was never really able to get me back in this traction. So... I have to give it, especially for, <laughs> I say it doesn't affect my rating, but it probably does, but for that also very silly, uh, <laughs> stupid line, considering that, like I said earlier, that the intro goes through all the deaf cliches, I just couldn't believe that in that same span of 90 minutes they would also make such a obvious and stupid error. Uh, this just, unfortunately... That was indicative of what I didn't like about this movie, which was the movie forgot that its own protagonist was deaf. Not literally. I'm not saying that you could, like, like that there was a moment when he would knock on the door and, then, like, she would hear it and, like, turn around. That would have been but, awful. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, that might have made me like it more because that would have just been <laughs> great. Like, oh, I've gained my hearing back. <laughs> I was going to say she has a moment like Jimmy Stewart. And- yeah. Oh, this is the darndest thing. <laughs> so because I thought that it was just a disappointment with such a uh, such a wonderfully uh, set up premise, uh, it, it gets two out of five stars for me. Very good. 
So, uh, as I've mentioned, I kind of have a, a love-hate relationship with this film because there are parts of it that I thought were clown bad. And uh, also, the, the second act of this film was quite dull and didn't offer anything that was either a thriller or a horror film for me. Uh, but the beginning of this film, as is, is I think we've all brought up, was quite good. Uh, and I actually really enjoyed the, uh, the final act of the film and the, specifically the, the climax of the film I, I enjoyed quite a bit as well. And John Gallagher Jr. is uh, not becoming a favorite or anything like that. But he was my favorite part of 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I enjoyed him here as well, even though his character wasn't great. Uh, and in the main character, uh, also the character of Maddie, I thought was, was a pretty game character, uh, just probably could have used some better writing for both of those characters throughout this film. So for me, uh, it's a three out of five, which is not a bad rating for horror films. Usually I don't like them. So, uh, I was a fan and I, uh, I would overall recommend you watch Hush, uh, if you want to, uh, at least be entertained for an hour and 21 minutes, even though I did check my watch three times throughout this film, which is not good. Ooh, that's damning. Yes. <laughs> You have a film that's just slightly longer than the movie Orange County, and it, it really did feel like a two-hour movie. At a the Orange days. County Test. That's a really short movie, and it, it's a that's a good that's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good good script. Keeps mm. it nice and tight. Yep. So uh, horror, which uh, is right up there with superheroes, is, is uh, the genre we focused on way too much, probably on this podcast. We're going to be back at it again, and we've had people say that they'd like us to do more horror episodes, so here we are again, doing another horror episode. <laughs> here back we to are back. again. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that is a film that I think we're all quite interested in seeing, and that is called Green Room, uh, the film that's going to have uh, stars including Anton Yelchin, Imogene Poots, Alia Shawkat, and Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Captain uh, Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> That was great. Yeah. Uh, Green Room has gotten some really strong reviews, and people... Uh, it was at Sundance when we were at the yes. festival. Which and, wasn't its premiere, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the things I, I know about what this film brings to the table makes it sound like a horror film that's right up my alley, which I don't have many horror genre sort of things that I usually gravitate towards, but this sounds like it might be one of them. So I'm really looking forward to it and you should be looking forward to it too, as we'll be doing an episode on it next week. And if you have any thoughts on hush or on green room, you can always send them to us at film tank show at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at film tank show. Uh, and you can also find all of our episodes on film tank show.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. So from Nick Cheney to Sonic and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much, as always, for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next time.